So yesterday was Daf Yud Beis number twelve. Today is Daf Yud Gimel. We're going to get started on our review of yesterday's Daf. Okay, so we started off yesterday um, with uh, uh, we we had been discussing how, that perhaps this um, we talked about a machlok is this uh, or at least a contradiction. Uh, there was this little type of pouch that was used to contain a drip uh, from the bodily flow of uh, Zav. And that uh, pouch, it seems in one place that, that, that we're in using that pouch is actually uh, not a, 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 only a rabbinic issue of carrying. And in another source, it seems to say that it's actually a Torah-level prohibition. And we weren't sure what were the two sides over here. And we thought that perhaps um, it was, uh, the idea was, is that it's not really, um, uh, that, you know, Reb Zera says that maybe the Tana holds that any time you're saving it from getting the, the rest of your clothes from getting dirty, if that's your whole intent, that's not considered significant and therefore it's not really carrying. And uh, on that, um, and on that, we have a, um, the, the, that was the Gemara's question. Now on that, the Gemara answered that, uh, um, the Gemara answered that, uh, how could you, com- it's not a fair comparison, because over there, you didn't even want the water there at all. And over here, you actually do want, um, the, you do want this pouch to protect your clothes from getting dirty. So the Gemara says uh, that, uh, if anything, it would be more similar to the latter part of that quote of the Mishnah, which was talking about a basin that uh, was there to catch the drip. Any part of the drip that falls out is not water that you want, but the, the water that's inside is certainly kiyutan, um, water, meaning water that you want. And it's considered, therefore, should be considered significant, uh, a significant Use and carrying and genuine carrying. So the Gemara then ended off saying, Abai and Rabbah both answer that what's going on over here is, is the machlokis between Rabbi Yud and Rabbi Shimon. It's very important in Hilcha Shabbos to understand this argument between Rabbi Yud and Rabbi Shimon because it comes up many times. Basically, it regards, it's regarding to this question of Melacha She'in Tricha which basically means that of the 39 uh, activities that are prohibited on Shabbos. There are 39 primary work activities that are prohibited. So basically, all of them have a basic purpose, a goal that you're trying to accomplish by that malacha. Now, what if that goal is not why you're doing it? I'm doing it for a different reason. The most classic example of this is somebody is digging. Uh, uh, digging a, a pit in the ground, not to have a hole, but because he needs the dirt. So that's called the malacha she'in tzrichalagufa. I'm doing the malacha of digging a hole, but not because I need the hole. It's because I need, uh, it's because I need the dirt. That's called malacha she'in tzrichalagufa. According to Rabbi Yudah, it doesn't matter. It's still chayv, 100%. And according to Rabbi Shimon, it's only it's only Asur Midr It's not the Chiyuv Torah of the Malacha. Okay, and basically the same thing over here. This carrying of this uh, a, 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 of this little pouch that's put on to catch a drip. 
Ruven, is that you talking? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to Oh, sorry, I can't see you. Okay. Okay, if you want, you can put it on mute. Okay. Um, and, okay, anyway, so um, so basically, that's the Machlokas Rebuda and Reb Shimon. Okay, so Rebuda would say that this is definitely carrying, and that's the opinion that's saying that's a problem, and the, and the and Rebuda Reb Shimon, being that I'd rather not have this whole thing in the first place, it's only there for um, um, to prevent something, so I'm not carrying it for carrying's sake, so therefore, um, he says it's therefore uh, potter, but it's uh, still going to be rabbinically prohibited. Okay, takes us to the next thing. We saw the Tanah Dvei Bishmal, that, that uh, although you're not allowed to, we saw in the Mishnah, a tailor is not allowed to go out with his needle, etc., all those different things that you can't do, because you might come to carry if you go out like that on Arab Shabbos. The exception, says Rabbi Shmuel, we see that this does not apply by tefillin on Erev Shabbos, even though it's right before Shabbos. We're not afraid that you're going to come to leave it on for Shabbos. And the reason why is because that's something that has a built-in reminder that you are wearing it. Because we have an obligation with tefillin that you need to check it every you know regularly to remind you they weren't tefillin. These are the activities that we do when we daven. We're in the middle of davening. We, we touch our tefillin to our heads, whatever, that reminds us that we're wearing tefillin throughout the day and throughout the davening. And that's the, that, therefore, it's a built-in reminder. We're not worried that you're going to forget. Now, why is that an obligation? In the first place, by tefillin is derived from the tzitz. The halacha says by the tzitz is a pasuk that says that it should be on the forehead of the Kohen Gadol constantly. Now, obviously, that's not true. It's not constantly. He didn't always wear the tzitz. He only wore it when he was doing service in the temple. But constant means that when it's on his forehead, he was constantly aware that it was on his forehead, meaning he maintained the same, that a certain dignity, a certain awareness, and that was what it was. And that's the point, that you should not... Um, uh, and, and if that's true for the tzitz, that one needs to do that, surely it would be true for tefillin, uh, because it has multiple names of Hashem written into it. So that's the basis for the mitzvah, of when you wear your tefillin to regularly remind you that you're wearing that you're wearing your tefillin. Next, we talked about in the Bryce's, Hananya said that a person would be, ab- it, yeah. What's the question, Max? Mati, you had a question. We'll, um, we'll see. There, there are certain, definitely um, uh, scenarios where those types of things do override um, uh, the prohibitions. Um, that's a, like a concept of pikuach nefesh. And uh, it gets discussed. We'll talk more about a, a weaponry in general um, you know, later on. But uh, yeah, there's a basis like that. Okay? There's such a concept. Okay. Anyway, um, the next halacha is Hananya said that the person is obligated to check his, his clothes before uh, Erev Shabbos, before night, because that's something that's major, that's what Rabbi Yosef says, it's a major principle in Shabbos. You need to be well aware of what you're doing, what you're wearing, you know, and uh, make sure you're not carrying anything inadvertently. Next, we talked about 
is uh, checking your clothes for lice. So we, we aren't sure. In the Gemara, it says, don't check your clothes for lice. Does that mean on Shabbos day? And the concern is nothing to do with using the candle, but it's concern of maybe you'll kill the lice. And that's where Belezer Shito holds that actually killing a louse is the same prohibited as killing a camel. There is no difference. It's Nitilas Neshama, it's taking a life, which is prohibited on Shabbos. Um, and the, the, the din of reading Le'oraner uh, is uh, basically... Okay. Uh, the din of reading Le'oraner is basically um, a separate thing and that's uh, two dinim unrelated to each other. That's possibility number one. And that would be a concern that if you're reading by the candlelight, you might turn the candle and that would be prohibited on Shabbos. So those are, that's the story. Or is the checking of the clothes for lice and reading both a question of doing it by candlelight and the, with the same fear that you might, uh, that you need to see clearly so you need a brighter light and you may come to adjust the lamp or turn it in a way that would increase the, you know, build the fire, make it a little bigger so you could see more. Um, and that's the issue and that's the problem. So this, this is the uh, question the Gemara wanted to know. So he brought a proof, what we thought was a good proof. It says straight, ain't Poland vein koron Sounds like it's all together. But the Gemara says that's also the same as the mission. You could put a comma in and say, ain't Poland, period, or a comma, and then, ain't Koran Lorener, meaning the Lorener is not modifying the, the checking for lice. So it wasn't clear, until we brought a proof um, that says very clearly that ain't Poland Lorener and ain't Koran Lorener, and those are from the halachos of the, uh, that were established in the attic of Hanani ben Chizkib ben Goron, which uh, we'll talk about in today's daf. But anyway, the bottom line is it's very clear from this source that they're both a question of turning the light, and that's what the issue is. Okay. Brings us to the next thing. Rabbi Yudah says the name of Shmuel, even to check the difference, even to use the light to see in the clothes, you're trying to choose your clothes to get dressed, and um, you want to discern whether it's yours or your wife's clothes. So that also requires the light, and you might come to turn the light, and you wouldn't be allowed to do that by candlelight. So Rabbi says that's only true when the clothes are very similar, like in B'nai Mechuzah, where the men and women dress in very similar clothes, and until you get a good look at it, you may not know is it yours or your wife's clothes. But in the people of the village, the people who are working in the fields, they, their sleeves were much narrower, Rashi explains, and it'll be easily discerned. You don't really need the light as much. You could probably do it with your eyes closed, and therefore we're not afraid that you're going to come to turn the light. In Mechuzah also, even though they do normally have a very similar clothes, that's only for the older people, where they both wore the same like style robe, basically. Um, uh, but the younger aged people dressed differently, the men and women, and therefore it, wouldn't be, it would be, again, self-evident and there's you don't need to see that clearly and there's no fear that you're going to come to uh, turn the lamp. Next we saw is the rabbis learn is that uh, you're not allowed to, um, in general, this is nothing to do with Shabbos, um, that when it comes to you want to clean your garment of lice, you shouldn't do that in public and that's like it can possibly disgust people, cause them to get disgusted and that's the, you should have somewhat of a kavod tibor. 
Okay, nowadays we're all learning proper etiquette and how we blow our nose or you know sneeze. So that's uh, we're learning how to do that a little bit of kavod atzibor, not doing something in public. Next, uh, we saw is uh, the uh, is uh, Rabbi Yudas in said in, in the name of either was Rabbi Yudas or Rabbi said that similarly, if somebody needs to vomit, he should not take an emetic uh, uh, publicly. Um, you should uh, leave it. Uh, you, you don't do that. Uh, you because that's obviously we'll discuss people if you have to throw up in front of them. Okay, next thing we talked about when checking your garment for lice, um, you are, this is on Shabbos, you're allowed to roll the louse in your fingers and then throw it away. Apparently, Rashi says that when you do that, it actually causes the, the uh, by doing that, it weakens the, the lice that it won't come back to him. Um, anyway, that's the idea. Um, you don't want them climbing back into the clothes. But, uh, and that's what is permissible on Shabbos. Um, okay, that is, um, one second. Uh, all right, so that is uh, the first thing, okay, as long as you don't kill them. Abishol says that you can take them and throw them, but you shouldn't roll them in your fingers. Um, and uh, that's uh, because if you roll it, you might come to kill them. Okay, and Rafuna says that the halacha is, is that you can roll them and throw them, and that is, your, that is uh, in fact, the proper, proper thing to do, even during the weekday. Um, and Rabbah would kill them, and Rav Sheshes would kill them, and Rabbah would throw them into a, body of wa- into a, a container of water that they would drown. And uh, Rav Nachman told his daughters that uh, kill them, and I hear there's the voice, the cries of my enemy. Basically, um, this is a basic principle. These are pests, and uh, pests, there's a special dispensation, even though generally we don't kill any animal, it's not no, unless there's a need or a use. But uh, over here, this is what you would be allowed to do. Okay. Um, so we're at the bottom, towards the bottom of the page on Yudbez Ahmed Aleph. Tanya. One second. Uh, Natan, if you can shut off the sound, okay? You know how to do that? Thanks. All right. <laughs> Baruch Hashem. It's a nice group. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the so then we saw in the Bryce, Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar says that you're not allowed to kill... Um, Macholos on Shabbos, according to these bugs, or lice on Shabbos, according to Beishamai, but Beishil says that it's mutter, and Rabbi Shimon Lazar says the name of Gamliel. Also, we don't do shidduchim on Shabbos to get the make an engagement on Shabbos, or to make arrange for a tutor for your child on Shabbos, or for teaching anything um, for a skill. And we don't do nichum avelim on Shabbos, and we don't be, uh, do bikur cholim on Shabbos. You don't visit the sick. That's all sheet of Beishamai. And Beishel says all those things are actually mutter. And uh, the reason why Beishamai is a problem is the first group are things that are like sort of business related because you're making an arrangement. And, um, and Beishel says that's, that's uh, for mitzvah, it's okay. 
And uh, also, Nichum Avelim and Bikr Cholim is a mitzvah, so that's why Basil allows it. And Beisham is worried that that brings one to sadness, and you're not supposed to be sad on Shabbos. So that's the idea. Okay, so... Oh, no, I, that's a good question. You must have had a different, uh, different uh, line for that one. All right. Um, I think my idea is Paskin like Reisil. That's bottom line. Okay. Um, right. Okay, so the next thing we learned in uh, the bottom of the page is talking about when you're visiting the sick, there are special things that you say. So the first opinion is we, and this is what we say when we do the Misha Berach for Cholim on Shabbos, it's Shabbos, Himelizok Shabbos, from crying out, Urufuah Kurova Lovel, and may the healing come speedily. And Remeir says that uh, there's another line that we said that Yecholi Yishutarachim, that Shabbos has an ability to bring forth the mercy. If we honor the Shabbos properly by not, feeling, by not expressing our pain, it will have the power of bring, bringing mercy. So that's uh, that idea. Review this says that we could say, Hashem should have mercy on you and other ill people of Israel. And Rabbi Yossi says, which in general, whenever we do the uh, we always say and uh, we'll see more about that Shavna would say when he comes in to visit the sick yes it is Shabbos from crying out to God meaning we don't pray for requests on Shabbos and cry it's not appropriate you understand the expression? Shabbos he milizok. It is Shabbos, and therefore we must not cry out. Okay. So that's what it's saying. That's the idea behind it. Okay. Anyway, Shavna, the man of Yerushalayim, when he would enter, he would say Shalom, and when he would leave, he would say Shabbos milizok, um, and he would say that Hashem has mercy on has tremendous mercy, and uh, the Shabbos sh- the, the should be um, should should be a peaceful Shabbos. Um, whose opinion? What Reb Chanina says that if you have an ill person in your house, you're supposed to pray for him together with all the other sick of Israel. That's Rabbi Yossi's opinion. Also, Rabbi Chanina says that it's it was actually a stretch; it was difficult to actually allow for more visitor mourner on Shabbos, and do Bikr Cholim on Shabbos. And uh, Rabbi Barchana uh, Bar says, when I followed Rabbi Lazar to visit the sick, sometimes he would say in Hebrew, May Hashem remember you for peace. And sometimes he would speak in Aramaic and say, you know, May Hashem have, remember you in peace, but in, not in Hebrew, but in Aramaic. So the question is, how can he say so in Aramaic? We know that prayer needs to be in Hebrew, not in Aramaic, because the angels don't pay attention to Aramaic. They don't listen, they don't understand Aramaic. So we generally prefer our prayers to be in Hebrew only. So the answer is, is that that's unique by Echola, that the Divine Presence, the Shekhinah, is there with the sick person, and we don't need any assist, assistance from the angels. It goes straight to God. And that's the Pasuk, Hashem Yisodeno al Eres Devoi. Okay, and we saw a lot about that, that when you're visiting the sick, you should be careful how you visit because you don't sit in a, in a lax manner. You have to sit upright and uh, recognizing that you're sitting in front of the Divine Presence. 
because uh, the, the Shechina rests above the head of the Chola, and that's the Pasuk as well, uh, that that's what keeps the Chola alive, the sick person alive, is the um, is Hashem's Shechina. Okay, brings us to the next thing, which is uh, we learned about the reading by the candlelight. So um, this candlelight, we don't care where the candle is, if it's within reach or if it's far away from him. In all those cases, that's problematic. Um, and even if it's two stories high, even though it's nowhere near you, we make a what's called a low plug. We don't distinguish between the cases. Um, now, we did say that it's only a problem... Uh, it's only a problem if uh, you uh, have if you are one person reading, but if you're two people reading, then they'll remind each other. Um, it sounds like in a said that even two is a problem. Depends whether the two people are reading the same thing, or one's they're both sharing the same light, but each reading their own thing. If you're each reading your own thing, you're not going to notice what the other one's doing. But if you're reading together from the same book, so then you'll. Each one will remind each other, and that's when it would be permissible. Uh, in a large fire, like a bonfire, that's always going to be prohibited, says Ravuna, because it's, uh, people don't see what's happening by the other person, and somebody might adjust it. An Adam Chashuv would be allowed to read by candlelight, because it's not his style. It's beneath him to start adjusting the lamp. He would call a servant to do so, and by then he would have a reminder. Um, the problem with that is, is that we saw that Rabbi Shmuel ben Elisha, who was surely someone of great stature, he's an Adam Chashuv, and yet he said, and he said about himself, oh, I'll read and I'm not going to touch the lamp, I'm such fear of heaven. And sure enough, he was reading and he got so distracted that he actually reached up to touch the lamp until he realized. And uh, according to Rabbi Nassan, he actually did do it, and he wrote down in his ledger that he owes a, a, a full-fledged chathas because he did this Avera on Shabbos. And he realized how correct the rabbis were. But the bottom line is, I thought an Adam Choshev is not a problem. He was an Adam Choshev. The answer is, is that he, Rabbi Shmobel and Elisha, when he is learning, he becomes like a regular person. He doesn't have any haughtiness at all. And he's learning like a young child and focused and his, uh, no, his, doesn't, his whole personality of being uh, uh, an honorable man is not, uh, not on display. And therefore, it doesn't... Uh, uh, it, it it didn't apply to him that idea of being an Adam Chashuv. Okay. Next, we saw that a uh, seemingly a contradiction. In one place, it says that a waiter can check his cups and platters uh, by candlelight, and another source says that he cannot. So we thought that the difference is, is if it's your regular waiter, then he's going to go ahead and check more carefully because he doesn't want to lose his job. If it's somebody who's like a one-time waiter, you don't really hire, that, you know, he's just like in a one-time thing, so he doesn't really care that much, and he's not checking so carefully. That's one difference. Alternate difference, even if it's the same set waiter, if it's the oil candle, he's going to make him to adjust it, but if it's, if it's a gasoline candle, since it smells bad, he's not going to mess with it, because he doesn't want to get dirty, he doesn't want to get smelly, and that's the difference. So the question the Gemara wanted to know, what about a waiter who is not regular, but it's the good kind of oil? So Rav says, that's the halacha, but don't tell anybody, because it's, uh, people would uh, misuse this law. And Rav Yirmi actually says that is the halacha, and it's Morin Cain. And the story goes with Rav Yirmi when he came to Rav Asi's house, 
his waiter was his servant was checking by the candle, and even though it was uh, oil lamp, and the wife said to Ravasi, the wife of Ravasi said to him, "What what you know? I didn't think you allowed this." So he said, "Leave him be." because he holds like his Rebbe, and that is basically where we left off. So let me just uh, stop the recording.